Well, good morning. I am Pastor Andrew. If we have not met, it is good to be here today. And, uh, you know, it's one of these things my wife has prompted me not to start off by saying this, but being a dad and being a pastor, my jokes are never any good. Um, I hope and pray that you have had a wonderful time uh, in your Thanksgiving week, and I will assume that if I am lulling you to sleep this morning with the message that you're still working that food off, okay? All right, so um, it is a joy as we begin Advent. I know some uh, folks are really excited that we went through Romans, and some are uh, still kind of reeling from that, taking a deep breath. Some are like, whoo, finally! On to the next thing. And so here we are today as we uh, um, focus on our first topic of hope in the Advent season. And uh, wouldn't you believe it? I wouldn't let us get too far away from Romans because we're going to talk about Romans chapter 5 today. But I I do want us to um, open up in the scripture of the Gospel of Luke. So if you brought your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to open those up. And... uh, our, our, our prayer this, um, this Advent season is that we're going to be taking time to really unwrap Christmas. And I know uh, in the midst of life, in the midst of the world, in the midst of all the different pressures that we place on ourselves or that uh, our community or culture presses on us, what, what is the true meaning of why we're here and what we're celebrating? And I'll, we get at that every year, but this year our, our prayer is that we're able to take uh, the Advent wreath and break it down for us in the midst of walking through the life and story of our Savior Jesus Christ. And so this morning we're going to start in the Gospel of Luke with a little bit of context of what's going to take place before Jesus is born. So I'm going to read for us here uh, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse, starting in verse 5. In the time of Herod king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they both were very old. I want to stop there for a moment and take us to prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that as we have come together as your church, as your children, as your disciples, in the midst of worship, we come to your word now. And we ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds, that you would open our eyes and our ears, that you would reveal to us your truth, the way in which you continue to move in and through our lives through your Holy Spirit. And we pray now, Lord, that in all of our time in your word, you would help us absorb it, wrap it around our hearts for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. As we do focus on hope, and as we begin in the Gospel of Luke, I'm sure there's many of you who have heard these words before, the opening parts of Zachariah, Zachariah and Elizabeth. For some of us, it is uh, the words in Scripture that we've heard in Sunday school time and time and time again. But I want us to stop and think for a moment. Why would Luke begin with this couple? Why and how was this important in the midst of our Lord Jesus Christ born unto us? 
as we look at the context of these individuals, of Zechariah and Elizabeth, they have a social role, they have a status before the Lord. But the question arises of the specific implications of why they are childless. At our first glance, we could assume a few things about this couple. First, we hear that they are in a right standing with God. How do they become and remain in that righteous standing and sight of God? When we look at the Old Testament, we learn a lot about their family lineage. And it played an important role in this. Zechariah has come from a priestly lineage of Abijah. And this comes uh, out of the kingdom of David, as David was preparing to build the temple because uh, it, it was something that he needed and God called forth for there to be a bigger space of worship. But David, being a man of war, was not allowed to build that. And so David did all the preparation, got all the building materials together, and ultimately it would be David's son who would build that temple. But here is in the midst of Zechariah's life, he is part of a priestly lineage, and the kingdom of David broke up all these different tribes for different priestly roles as they would rotate through. And he comes from the lineage that means Yahweh is my God. Now Elizabeth, she is a descendant of Aaron. And we go all the way back into the beginning parts of the Old Testament. Aaron is Moses' older brother. He's the one who helps in the midst of Israel being enslaved by Egypt. Why these family origins are important brings us to the understanding of hope. For Aaron, God used him to bring hope to a hopeless nation as they were enslaved by Egypt. God spoke spoke through him into a hopeless situation for Israel that God would free them and provide for them. For Abijah, came through the kingship of David, the priestly division was set in place before the construction of the temple of the Lord. All of this, two family lineages, speaking of God to God's people and serving the Lord. So we bounce back into our scripture, and I want to uh, just read through this, and I pray that this sinks into your heart so what we, what we see and hear Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is to never take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord and the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their parents to their children and to the disobedient to the wisdom of righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man. My wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I 
am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. It's very interesting as Zechariah goes into pray, burn incense. And in the midst of that, we have the angel Gabriel who at first does not give us his identification, doesn't tell us who he is. He says, Zechariah, your prayer has been answered. We don't know what that prayer entails. Hopefully the prayer was also for their people, for their time. But we learn that the prayer is a desire of his heart, a hope, a longing that he and his wife had had as they did not have any children. And of course, being a very common sense man, he says, we're, we're really old. This is, how can this be? How can this happen? And he says, I am from God to tell you this will happen. And it's here that we slow down. We have to ask ourselves how or who we might be in a situation like this. He had a clear sign from the angel Gabriel. And he was also permitted not to speak because he didn't believe. And as he came out, he made the gestures and tried to communicate, but was unable. I want you to think for a moment in your life, where has there been a circumstance? Where has there been a situation? Where has there been something that has happened that you just can't speak? Perhaps it's been a situation with medical issues or health concerns. Circumstances within your family or work. Maybe it's even been a prayer that you feel like you've been beating your head up against the side of the wall trying to get God to answer. And if we think really hard, all of us have been in situations alike. Looking for hope, looking for the answers, looking for God to show and reveal himself. But I truly believe in the midst of that, we have two options. We have the option to cling on to worldly hope or the option to cling on to heavenly hope. And oftentimes we, we, we can't tell the difference between the two, but when we actually slow down and ask ourselves what we're asking God or what we're saying out loud or what we're thinking in our minds and our hearts, a lot of times our worldly hope is this, holding on to our personal expectations. I expect this to happen. When we look for hope in the world, we place our trust in luck and chance. We hope it'll work out. We hope in this fairy tale imagery of a genie in a bottle, if I just stop doing this or if I just start doing this, then my situation or my circumstances will change. When we, when we have that kind of false hope, that's not the hope of the Bible. It's not the hope of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's not the hope of God, of Yahweh. That's placing hope within ourselves a place where there is no assurance, no peace, no joy, 
no love. Zechariah had Gabriel in front of him and still questioned. I wonder how many times in our lives that God is right before us and we still question. How many times that God is in a situation, has met us and is there, and we're still frustrated. You know, it's very interesting, and, and quite honestly, I, I don't have words sometimes when I, when I hear this, and I've heard it multiple times. Why would God let this happen? Why would God do this to my family? Well, that's a great theodicy question. If God is all good and if God is just and is in, in complete control, why do bad things happen? You know, it's in those moments to the individuals who say, I can't believe God would allow something like this to happen. And I often have to reflect because the majority of those conversations start off with, God isn't real, God isn't true, there is no God. So if God isn't real or true, why are you blaming God for the situation that you're in? When it was time, verse 57, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. And they said to her, There's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea. People were talking about these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord, his hand was with him. Now, I don't know about some of you women, but as you read and hear these words, those of you who have had children are probably in the spot, maybe at some point along your pregnancy, where you wish that your husband was in Zachariah's spot, not able to talk. But as we learn, Zechariah writes on the tablet and his tongue is freed. He doesn't just go on trying to ravel and catch up on the, the entire pregnancy all the time that he wasn't able to speak. He, he comes out praising God for what is taking place. Praises God in the midst of his life. Brings us to the point of heaven's hope. He offers perfect eternity. As the story goes, John is the cousin of Jesus, prepares the way, helps people repent, helps people see in their lives where they need to turn from their sin, helps people realize that there is a hope beyond themselves that is coming, a hope that is going to be here. And as I was wrestling with this and trying to really discern and pray, God, show yourself to me. How, how, do, how do we apply this? And, and I was really frustrated with trying to understand it myself. And there was a, a moment a couple of weeks back, and I shared this in our Wednesday night group, and I'm going to share it here. I had all the girls in the window, 
in our kitchen looking out, and Amy's out there with her horses in the pasture, and, and Big Red, her, her new horse, he's kind of crazy. Uh, she's trying to catch him, and he's just running back and forth, back and forth. And finally she gets to a point where she's standing face to face with him, and he won't come. And she steps, and he steps back. She steps, he steps back. And finally she just turns her back and walks away. And the horse began to follow her. I thought that was very interesting. What kind of interaction is that? I'm not a horse guy, so I don't know all these things. And I was talking with one of my mentors and, and talking about hope and in the midst of our world and in all of our lives where we so, so badly need hope. Well, you focus on the wrong things and it's just a hopeless mess. And in that moment when Amy and her horse, as she turned her back, and there's a lot of times that we're in situations and circumstances where we feel or we perceive or we think that God has turned his back. If you've ever felt like God has turned his back to leave you, I want you to think about this. Maybe it's not God turning his back to leave you, but it's God turning his back to lead you. Turning his back to lead you out of a situation or a circumstance. Turning his back to lead you out of your mindset or a hopeless heart. And all the ways that we look at Zachariah and Elizabeth and this baby boy John and all the people around. You've got the family who's got their convictions and their beliefs and you've got Zachariah who's been told by Gabriel and then you have the church you've got the people who are speaking saying things there could you imagine if you had a child and you had people from the church calling up and saying hey that's a great name but no nobody in your family is named that you can't name your kid that we'd be like well hold on a second hold on a second John preached the hope of Jesus, the hope of the eternal God. And this is where it comes home of heaven's hope for us. Wherever you are today, wherever you have been, wherever you are angry at God, wherever you are bitter towards people or a situation or a circumstance, I want you to remember these words. From Romans. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have a peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace, which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more? Having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have reached and received reconciliation. If our hope is not in the Lord, if our hope is not in the direction, the power and the will of the Holy Spirit, we're holding on to our own expectations. We're going to look at this world through our broken lens, angry, bitter, frustrated, pointing fingers. But it is this hope, the good news of the gospel, that even in the moments of God approaching us and we've backed up and we've backed up and we've backed up, the moments that God has come near to us, maybe it's through a sign, maybe it's through another person, through words, through music, you name it, God's going to do it. God is that hope that we need to cling to. The true reason in the midst of this Advent season, as you peel back the layers of our lives, as you peel back the layers of all that you face, ask yourself, what kind of hope are you grabbing onto? the hope of our Lord and Savior or the hope of yourself. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we praise you. We glorify you in the midst of this moment for Zechariah and Elizabeth. For their church and their community to be in awe of what you've done through their lives. Lord, you reveal to us that it doesn't matter our status, it doesn't matter our age, it doesn't matter uh, our mindset or our heart or our doubt. If, if you are going to do something, you, Lord, are going to do something. And you call us to place our trust and our hope in you. For, Lord, the best news is the good news. That good news is your hope. We praise you for your love and for your mercy. We praise you for while we were still sinners, you gave your life for us. We praise you that you call us son and daughter, church, child. May we give you glory, God, now and forever. Amen. Would you please stand this morning for a benediction? May it be the hope of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the hope of good news in the midst of life, that as you go forward today, you be a light, you be a beacon, you be a mirror image of the hope, the good news of the gospel, that Christ has saved you and saved that person standing in front of you. So go in this peace and this hope of our Lord Jesus. Amen.